Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond to dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. I thought I'd be really nervous, but I'm like so excited to see all these people that that overwhelms any sense of nervousness I have. So such a blessing to be here with you. Some of you I know well. Over the past two or three years, I'd say I've kept in reasonably good touch with about 20 or 25 of you. But there's so many new faces that I'm not familiar with. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Anne Marie, and I began attending West Hills in earnest in about 2006. The years since have seen many, many changes in my life, but I'm so grateful to be still connected with this community and to have been asked to share a little bit today about my recent journey. I applied for and got accepted into a certificate program in spiritual direction through San Francisco Theological Seminary in the fall of 2019. It was a hybrid program, which was really important to me since spiritual direction is such an interpersonal realm. I really wanted at least some of my experience to be in person. I was attracted to the diversity that San Francisco program promised, and so I was willing to travel there for two weeks each January. Of course, since then, the program has changed, but I'm grateful to have begun the program physically in the same room as some of the cohort members that I still have now. Two themes have been strong through my time in the program, and those are what I'd like to focus on sharing with you today. The first one about worthiness, worthiness of calling, sorry, <laughs> and worthiness of being beloved. The other theme is about the companionship of God through my parenting. As I moved through the in-person intensive for the program last January, a clear calling to move into motherhood spirituality work was emerging for me and I was excited. Well, I was doubtful and excited. I wasn't sure if the calling seemed legit, if it was to work with a population that was generally similar to my own. It's funny that Anna shared what she did in, in first word because this echoes this part of this for me. I thought, you know, shouldn't I be called to deep discomfort, like a real calling? Was I playing it too safe by conveniently hearing a calling that might be just what I wanted to hear? Shouldn't I feel resistance 
if it was a real calling. This plagued me for the first few months. I felt nervous to share what I was hearing and feeling about my call, afraid of judgment. It was already a vulnerable place to be one of only two cohort members who didn't already have a graduate degree or work already in ministry, counseling, or coaching. How could I trust that my lesser trained ear was hearing a true calling? Thankfully, over the time since last year's intensive classes, excitement has grown more alongside the doubts, and I followed it into reading and praying, meditating and discerning, planning for an upcoming retreat for exhausted moms after the pandemic eases, beginning to create social media presence, crafting a website from scratch for the first time, and casually interviewing moms in my circle about how my ministry could support them as it grows. It didn't take long for me to realize that far from safe, my calling would hit so tenderly at the core of things that now in some ways I can hardly imagine a riskier calling for me as I learn more about my own tender parts in mothering. My compassion grows for the broader motherhood experience the broader parenting experience, for its potential gifts and challenges to our spiritual life. On the evening prior to the first day of week one of this year's now online classes, the arranged childcare for our toddler, who's somewhere in one of those rectangles with my husband, um, the childcare called and canceled on us. We'd reserved it through a local nanny agency, the first time letting someone in our home since March. We did it exactly as instructed. And so their phone call left us scrambling for other options, which there eventually weren't, at least not viable ones in the timeframe we were pressed into under COVID safety precautions. We haven't been part of any pod, bubble, family group, et cetera, this whole year. So our options were very limited. So after months of reading, journaling, papers, and personal investment, the actual class part of the first week's class was no longer an option. It wasn't lost on me that I was missing the classes for training toward my ministry to mothers because I was a mother. I was answering a call to offer innovative ways to remove obstacles that mothers experience in being able to focus on their spiritual growth and support. And there I was experiencing a major 11th hour obstacle to my spiritual growth and the growth of my ministry. My husband David so aptly named for me what I was experiencing, the unwritten curriculum that has stuck with me so much over the past weeks. I could stay in the anger at how things weren't going as I'd planned or I could step back and even the chaos was teaching me essential things that would inform my ministry. Thankfully, we had reliable childcare for week two, and the program progressed well from there and offered me wonderful opportunities to connect with my cohort and intensify my training. At the opening of the first day of week two, the professor suggested we begin in a guided meditation, which ended with this query. Where in your life do you most encounter resistance to being beloved? 
I can't even read it now without feeling it. Tears rushed behind my eyes. My nostrils burned. There was no ruminating required to determine where this resistance was for me. It's in my mothering. In this year of suddenly full-time mothering, isolated from other mothers, I've experienced times of feeling loneliness and doubt and a yearning for community and camaraderie. I have a wonderful supportive partner in David and longtime friends too in particular who listen to my joys and securities ad nauseum. And I've also tried my best to stay connected by Zoom and phone and text and postcard. But as you all know, it's just not the same. So the professor's query tapped into a vast reservoir ocean that immediately rushed in. This season of life has been about letting go as my children move through diverse stages at ages 20, 17, and two. With that come the regrets that surface as I doubt the ways I've met their needs as they grow. Then as I can muster it, it's also about grace for myself as a growing being who's mothering the best she can. And herein lies my greatest challenge to embracing my belovedness in God. There's no other place than my mothering where I have loved so deeply and yet with so many doubts. Where there's so much I want to mend or address but I'm limited in the ways I can do so. My heart often balks at the idea that I could be beloved despite my mothering, through my mothering, maybe even because of my mothering. Feel okay about my work ethic, about what I offer as a friend, a community member, a daughter, a wife. All of these have growing edges, of course, sharper at times than others. But my mothering, oh God. When do I ever feel more raw and more like the worst in me has such power or more shattered by the fact that I have no control over what will be remembered when they recall how I showed up for them? the worst moments or the best. From the book of John, chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The wording and the version of this Bible verse is the one I grew up memorizing on Sunday, at Sunday school at Reedwood Friends. Maybe you did too. It rattled off my grade school tongue in a sing-song way, an easy one to commit to memory. It was so a part of my church experience, but I honestly haven't thought of it a lot over the decades since, except to roll my eyes when I see it used in what I think of as a battering way, in a bumper sticker, or a billboard, or a t-shirt. So I was stunned when this verse came into my life with fresh force in these last weeks. On a sleepless night during the first week of missed classes, I suddenly understood it with a fresh perspective. God really gets the parenting thing. I'd memorized John 3.16. Yeah, sure, I know that one. But then all at once I realized one, 
God had to let go of a child to a world that would have its way with him. God watched a child suffer in ways and through stages we don't even know the stories of. The point in that moment was for me to realize that I am not alone, even in my darkest hour thoughts awake at 2 a.m. God understands this anguish of letting go. And two, that God found me and this screwed up world so beloved that God gave up a child to ease our suffering. There's so much in there that it actually hurts my head to take it in. I'd always focused on the part of the verse that was about everlasting life and not perishing and such. Certainly important. And the emphasis of the salvation story of which John 3.16 was so integral in my evangelical childhood. But for this portion of my life, this second half of life struggling, wrestling, the first part of the verse needed to stand out for me, and it finally did. It was one of those times where you don't know whether to just celebrate that the revelation came or be mad that you didn't see it earlier. I've decided to choose celebration. God and Mary and Abraham and so many others in the Bible knew what these dark nights of worry are like. They wondered if they'd made the right choice. They revisited how scenes with their children played out and wondered if they could have done better. They wondered if they'd given their children what they needed to make it without them. They can companion me, travel with me through the dark and doubts of my mothering. Knowing this can help sustain me as I also companion others when they need a compassionate ear through the celebrations and trials of parenting and the ways it shapes our spirit. This is so profound to the practical place of life I am in. Now I feel certain that the call I worried wasn't legit is anything but a too safe calling. Points to the very heart of one of the most well-known verses in the Bible that tells us not only the struggle of a parent, but of God's immense love for us in all our worries, shortcomings, and regrets. A love so deep that God let go of a child into this crazy world. In this verse, I can now see my belovedness in a new way. And my passionate hope is to ripple this out into the world in my work. I'm eager to see how this ministry might intersect with the ministries of West Hills Friends in the future as we continue to serve families in new ways. Thank you for your ears and your hearts this morning. I offer these queries that you can take into open worship if you'd like. Where do you encounter resistance to being beloved by God? When is it hard to believe that you are loved just as you are? With what do you bring? Who or what might offer you companionship as you journey through these places and times of disconnection? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful. 
and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.